against the living truth of God's word from the sword of the spirit. Addresses vital topics for these last days. You can order today's program for only $5.95. To order, call one 800 78 bible or order online at LifeWorksMedia.com. Is it on? Thank you. Do you need me to do a sound check? Test one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Okay. Some stones saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face to face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who cannot get Heart of the Matter through their television, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch anywhere, streaming video, uh, anywhere in the world. I Was a Born Again Mormon is available through uh, 
PDF download at www.bornagainmormon.com. Um, if you don't have a computer or are working on getting, uh, we're working on getting a hard copy for you, so check that out. The Bible is the actual living word of God. Learn what it says in context, for there's no more important action you can take as a Christian to help your life and get yourself out of this world. Join us at Calvary Campus every Sunday, a never-denominational Bible study. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information about that. Coming up this Sunday at 11 a.m., I'll be teaching a sermon at Sandy Ridge Community Church located at 1829 East 10600 South. All are welcome. My text as assigned by Pastor Travis Mitchell will, uh, who is out of town, will be Matthew 6.14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Come and let us reason together. That's Sandy Ridge Community Church. On Friday and Saturday night of last week, I had the great blessing to be a part of Good Shepherd uh, Lutheran, which is also in Sandy. I spoke there two nights in a row, and it was Really nice to gather together with like-minded believers, seekers, people who are coming out of or thinking about coming out of Mormonism. We gathered there in peace and love and a common desire to share Jesus with our LDS family, friends, and neighbors. They're doing good work out there at Good Shepherd Lutheran. It was an honor to be a part of what they were about. One of the issues non-LDS have always faced living here in the Mecca of Mormonism is the separation between church and state. Shortly after Brigham Young set up a permanent camp here in Salt Lake Valley, charges of establishing a theocracy, that's where there's no division between the power of the church and the power of the state, came forward. Anyone who has lived here long enough knows the influence Mormonism attempts to have over everything they can, including the bars and entertainment and education and even the press when possible. Recently, I received word about a situation that occurred in the Granite School District located in the Salt Lake area. It seems a high school teacher made the following assignment. This is a quote. Attend a religious service or activity of a different denomination than what you belong to or would normally associate with. You got that? Attend a service that is different from the church you would normally uh, go to. Then the assignment continues, quote, write your observations and feelings on a two, in a two-page response. Also, compare and contrast your religion slash beliefs to the different denomination you attended, end quote. What the LDS teacher of the class may not have anticipated when handing out this assignment is that there could have been students in the class who were Christians and they would visit an LDS ward and make comparison, which is exactly what occurred. So now we have a Christian teenager going to an LDS ward uh, as assigned and then doing what she is told by comparing and contrasting her beliefs with the LDS church she visited. Okay, so I'm going to read a few paragraphs from the paper that this Christian girl oops, wrote and, um, and then some comments that the LDS teacher made about this Christian girl's statement. Here's the first paragraph. The, 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 the paper is titled Jesus or Joseph. And the Christian girl wrote to me, religion isn't about the church you go to. It's about what you believe in your relationship with God. I believe in the Bible and the Bible only. Over the weekend, I went to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with my sister and her boyfriend. I have gone to an LDS church before a few times, and every time it is very awkward. It's very different from what I am used to. 
Uh, in this essay, I will speak more about the religious beliefs than the church itself. What did the teacher say about this first opening paragraph? She wrote in the margin, a fifth grade opening. Then we go, and this person's a junior in high school. And then we go to the next uh, two paragraphs down. It says, in the LDS church, there are so many things that you must do in order to be perfect, quote, uh, and get to heaven. They also believe that there are three levels of heaven and an outer darkness, no hell. If you are, quote, perfect on earth, you can make it to the highest level of heaven. The student wrote there, the men will have many wives to have endless celestial sex with. The teacher wrote incorrect info above the top. I want the teacher to know that's not incorrect info. The religion also believes you can become a god of your own planet when you die. And then the student wrote in parentheses, does that make the religion polytheistic? In the, on the margin, the teacher responded with, perhaps you should have chosen a different religion. So now the teacher is starting to throw in her own little um, personal subjective comments to the student, losing objectivity that this is supposed to be a comparison contrast op-ed piece by the student. All right. Next paragraph down. The LDS church believes that they are the only true church. The teacher is starting to get hot. She writes, so do Catholics! Exclamation point. They are saying only LDS church members can go to heaven. They have many rules of what you do to get to heaven, including works, getting married to a person who went on a mission, and getting sealed in the temple, among other things. The LDS church really doesn't believe Jesus dying on the cross for us was good enough to save us from all our sins. They think that they can be perfect people. The Christian religion believes that everyone is a sinner and we must ask for forgiveness. That is why Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us. The teacher responded, you are coming across as too judgmental. A different religion would have worked better for you and this assignment. Then the student wrote in the last, second to the last paragraph, some other things different about the two beliefs are, the Christian religion believes God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost are one, where the LDS church believes they are three different people. The teacher wrote, they are a Christian church. Okay, so now we're having it become an apologetics. It's a polemic argument a student and the teacher about Mormonism versus Christianity. And the teacher is saying they are Christian. She's lost all her objectivity. And then the uh, student goes on to talk about the different books believed in the Bible. The final paragraph is this. The student writes, when you sit down and look at the doctrine of the two religions, they really don't have much in common. Some claim that Mormon, the Mormon religion is a Christian religion. I would have to argue with that statement. They are very two different religions. The teacher puts a question mark. She writes, the assignment was to promote the good feelings and open-mindedness. And then she wrote, this assignment defeated its purpose. And then she wrote in big giant letters, choose a different religion. Now, um, the Christian girl who wrote this paper received a C on the assignment. Uh, it wasn't for grammatical errors. I read through the paper. It was very good. Uh, and in fact, the teacher's comments had more grammatical errors in it than the students did. And the battle to separate church from state continues to rage here in the Mecca of Mormonism. And with that, let's have a prayer. 
Lord, we need you to open our eyes and ears and help us to uh, understand you. I say things that are not always correct, but your spirit is never incorrect and your word is perfect, Lord. So we pray you will help our audience here, help our audience uh, wherever they may be. We pray that you'll help our volunteer staff, the technical difficulties, everything that goes on with putting on a program. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we step in and finish out the year with a look at the role of racism in the LDS church, we're gonna take some time tonight and show some amazing similarities between Islam and Mormonism. Most of the information for which I am quoting about Islam comes from Sam Solomon, the head of of the Islamic department at Elam Ministries. Mr. Solomon, who is an expert in Islamic studies, is also a former Muslim and was trained at a very high level of the faith. Today, he is considered a formidable source of information regarding the Sharia law. Someone smart once stated, when it comes to gospel truths, there is nothing new under the sun except heresy and deception. There was never a more true statement said, especially when discussing faith movements like Mormonism and Islam. Because of an overwhelming push to be politically correct, stay with me, director, to be politically correct, people today focus on similarities between faiths uh, rather than obvious, blatant differences. And it can be very tedious to discern the difference between truth and error when comparing Islam and Mormonism to biblical Christianity. Most people are so fearful of offending to be convicted of a hate crime that they simply smile and say, well, we all worship the same God, right? And according to the Bible, we really don't. Well, heresy is the only new game since Jesus and his 12 laid out the principles of the good news. The similarities found in heretical faiths can be absolutely astonishing. Let me share with you at least 25 similarities between Mormonism as, and Islam uh, here tonight. Number one, Islam was founded by the man, Muhammad, around 500 AD, while Mormonism was founded by the man, Joseph Smith, in 1830. Both Mormonism and Islam use terminology that sound and seem Christian, but when defined and broken down, prove to be quite different, even contrary to gospel truth. Since almost all of the terms used in Islam and most of the terms used in Mormonism originate from the Bible, understanding the differences between them, especially the role of Muslim and Mormon apologists, uh, when they, those apologists try to make them seem like the same thing, can be troubling. Number three, when many people today believe that Islam means peace, this is this thing that has been promoted, Islam means peace, this is neither accurate nor is it Quranic. Islam actually means submission, which in the end means submission to an assortment of laws and rules and cultural demands, same as Mormonism. For to be either Muslim or Mormon, acceptance and submission to the ways established by their founders is mandatory. Number four, Mormon scholars agree that Islam is an all-encompassing system. It is socio-political, socio-religious, socio-economic, socio-educational, it's legislative, it has a judiciary, and it's even militaristic in its influences. With the exception of an active military force, Mormonism is no different. And though somewhat invisible today, Mormonism at its roots was and continues to be extremely militaristic. 
Continuing with this all-encompassing theme, Islamic scholar Solomon writes, quote, Freedom of choice does not exist in Islam. Neither is religion a private or personal matter. All decisions have already been made by Allah or his prophet, prophet Muhammad. So Muslims have no choice but to follow these divine regulations. Whoever strays has indeed strayed in error, end quote. Similarly, in Mormonism, all decisions have been made by God through his LDF prophets and the brethren. So faithful LDS really have no option but to toe the line they lay forth or be cast out. In the LDS Church magazine, The Improvement Era in 1945, it reads, Any Latter-day Saint who denounces or opposes, whether actively or otherwise, any plan or doctrine advocated by the prophets, seers, and revelators of the church is cultivating the spirit of apostasy. Lucifer wins a great victory when he can get members of the church to speak against their leaders and to do their own thinking. When our leaders speak, the thinking has been done. When they propose a plan, it is God's plan. When they point the way, there is no other way which is safe. When they give direction, it should mark the end of the controversy. Years later, in 1979, a member of the First Presidency in Eldon Tanner verified that when the prophet speaks, the debate is over, and that going and repeated it twice, in the, and this is found in the Ensign, March 1979, pages two and three, that when the prophet speaks, the debate is over. Now, Listen to the way Solomon describes the founder of Islam. Quote, Muhammad himself claimed authority from the top to bottom in the budding Islamic entity, including a prophetic office, being a supreme legislator, a judge, commander in chief of the armies and head of the Muslim community. He established a state, sent armies, conquered his enemies and collected taxes. Muhammad was a multifaceted religious leader. Now listen to the way award-winning historian D. Michael Quinn described Joseph Smith. Few Mormons today can grasp the polarized charisma of their founding prophet. Some may feel uncomfortable when confronted with the scope of Joseph Smith's activities as a youthful mystic, treasure seeker, visionary, a loving husband who deceived his wife regarding about 40 of his polygamous marriages a man for whom friendship and loyalty meant everything, but who provoked disaffection by testing the loyalty of his devoted uh, associates, an anti-Mason who became a master Mason, church president who physically assaulted both Mormons and non-Mormons for insulting him, a devoted father who loved to care for his own children and those of others, temperance leader and social drinker, Bible revisionist and esoteric philosopher, city planner, pacifist, commander-in-chief, student of Hebrew and Egyptology, bank president, jail escapee, healer, land speculator, mayor, judge, and fugitive from justice. So we have a similarity of the widespread way that both of these religious founders tried to get into the lives of the people. Number five, Islam is founded primarily on two books of writing. The first book is the Quran. Uh, which Muslims believe is the most correct book on earth. I've read this with my own eyes from a Quran I own. It states it at the entrance. The second set of writings that the uh, Muslims follow is the Sunnah, which is Arabic, which means to form or shape or mold or set a path. And it points to the actual life and revelations and teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. 
Mormonism is primarily founded on four books of scripture with two of them, the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants, being more emphasized than the others. Latter-day Saints believe the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on the face of the earth. While their Doctrine and Covenants is used to form, shape, mold, and set a path for the church, and it literally points to the life, revelations, and teachings of Joseph Smith as a man. Number six, Islam claims that the Quran to be, is the final revelation of Allah to mankind through the prophet Muhammad. Mormonism claims the Book of Mormon to contain the fullness of the gospel, and though they do not call it the final revelation of God to mankind, no other LDS prophet has produced any other thing like it, so it may as well be. What the LDS call modern revelation from a living prophet is almost a non-event as very few, few things have been added to what the founder Joseph Smith already said. Number seven, the Quran and Sunnah was given to Muhammad piecemeal over a period of many years uh, and, and by direct revelation. The Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants were given to Joseph Smith piecemeal over a period of many years and by ahem, direct revelation. Number eight, Latter-day Saints believe that the original source of the Book of Mormon is from golden plates which were taken to heaven once the book was done. Muslims believe that the original version of the Quran has been preserved on what they call, quote, the eternal tablet which was brought down to this atmospheric realm temporarily to inspire Muhammad's mind. Number nine, the angel Gabriel directed Muhammad to write what he wrote and assisted him in the process. Joseph Smith said the angel Moroni told him to translate the Book of Mormon and assisted him in the process. Now, most of this translation that Joseph Smith of the Golden Plates was by direct revelation. It, he got to the point where he didn't even look through the rock to pretend anymore. He just let this revelation come to him, similarly as Muhammad did when in the cave. Number 10, unlike the Bible, the Quran has absolutely no historical evidences or documents that's, that can support its historical authenticity or literary reliability. So too, the Book of Mormon, though full of fantastic material claims, has not one provable material support to authenticate its historical uh, authenticity or literary reliability. Number 11, Muslims claim that the Quran supports and perfects the Bible by clarifying it. The LDS call the Book of Mormon another witness or another testament of Jesus Christ and believe that it too clarifies and completes the Bible. Number 12, both the Book of Mormon and the Quran, while claiming to support the Bible, actually contradict it, thereby placing their believers in the position to have to choose between one book or the other. The result, Muslims choose the Quran, uh, Latter-day Saints choose the Book of Mormon. And this is the primary aim of all counterfeit faiths. Reduce, eliminate, or mock the Bible, and therefore you can control people with the subsequent writings. Number 13. The contradictions found throughout the teachings of Muhammad are written off by Islamic apologists as abrogations, meaning that later revelations supersede the revelations of prior ones. Within Mormonism, the same game is played as it is accepted that a living prophet trumps a dead one. And the earlier revelations of someone like Joseph Smith, which contradict later ones, are seen only as stepping stones in the prophet's spiritual growth. The author uh, Richard Bushman, who wrote Rough Stone Rolling, 
he says in his book, or he, he's LDS, he says that Joseph Smith, when he um, was looking through stones to find hidden treasure, that God was using this, this activity, which he was arrested for and convicted, that God was using this activity to teach him to be a seer and revelator for the church. Amazing. Number 14, the Quran actually teaches and testifies the coming of Muhammad. And Muhammad actually rewrote parts of the Bible so that it too testified of his coming ministry. The Book of Mormon actually teaches and testifies of the coming of Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith actually rewrote parts of the Bible so that it too testified of his coming and ministry. Number 15, where the Quran acts as a theological framework to Islam, the Sunnah actually shapes at least 80% of the Muslims' life and faith. So too with the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants. The Book of Mormon might be seen as the core to the spiritual faith, but the Doctrine and Covenants actually defines most of what is done within the administration of Mormonism's life and religion. Number 16, Muslims accuse the Jews and Christians of tampering with the Bible, especially in order to remove prophecies that spoke about Muhammad and therefore consider the Bible to be corrupt. This led uh, to Islam altering doctrine relative to the uniqueness of Jesus, his teachings, his person, and his atoning work. Mormonism accused, accused excuse me, the early translators of the Bible, in particular, in particularly the Catholics, of tampering with the plain and precious truths contained in it and therefore consider the Bible to be unreliable. This led Mormonism to ultimately alter doctrines relative to the uniqueness of Jesus, his teachings, his person, and his atoning work. Number 17, in Islam, all non-Islams are enemies to Allah and their response, especially to Christians and Jews, is one of violence. Where physical violence is not the norm in Mormonism today, Non-LDS outsiders in Brigham Young's day were treated with similar contempt, including violence. <clears throat> Number 18, in a similar vein, Islam believes that all people on earth are born Muslims. And when they find or discover the eternal truths about Islam, they do not convert to Islam, but instead revert to what has always been, but they have forgotten to know. Muslims believe that those who have not reverted to Islam stand in a state of rebellion to Allah. When someone does revert, there's great joy within the ranks of the person and they're welcomed home. Similarly, Latter-day Saints embrace the idea that all of the human race is in fact in possession of a pre-mortal existence where we knew the truths. And that when a, when a person converts to Mormonism, they rediscover, they find, or they have the veil lifted from their heart and their minds embrace the Father's plan that was presented in this pre-existence. Number 19, Joseph Smith and thus Mormonism today taught that the LDS gospel has been known and practiced from the beginning of recorded history and that all prophets from the past were tacitly Mormon. My daughters recently told me of an LDS man here in Salt Lake City who told a group of kids that Jesus was a Mormon. Naturally, Islam teaches that all of the Old Testament prophets were Islam, uh, Islamic and that they all preached Islam. Jesus is included in this group too. Number 20, 
Islam has a long and abiding desire to both convert the world and then to rule over it. The Surah 7:158 tells them that all people need to be brought back to Islam by every means necessary. Islam divides the world into two categories, the land of Islam and the land of war. So too Mormonism from its foundations has longed to convert the world and then to rule over it. Previous Heart of the Matter programs have provided ample examples of this ambition. At the same time, Mormonism has long broken the world down into two polarized groups as well, members and non-members, people who live in Zion, Utah, and people who live in what they call the mission field, anywhere else but Utah, uh, which is the equivalent of the Islamic land of war. Number 21, Islamic law declares that insulting the Prophet Muhammad is equal to insulting Allah since they are respected as representing each other fully. In some Islamic countries like Pakistan and Saudi Arabia, disrespecting or refuting Muhammad is worthy of immediate public execution. When Brigham Young settled Utah, the people who followed him here found themselves under a similar religious fervency. To question or deny the faith, Brigham Young or the Prophet Joseph Smith could lead to death, but always led to people being wholly rejected by family, friends, and the community at large. Today, and though not nearly as extreme, the fact remains that to disrespect either Joseph Smith Jr. or the living prophet is certain grounds for being a social outcast, even to the point of having your high school English teacher give you a C for speaking your opinion in a paper uh, about the differences in religion. It is my simple opinion that if and when Mormonism gets to the same numbers as Islam, a billion strong, and if it can maintain its economic status in the world, it will return to the extremist ways of Brigham Young and flex its muscle against anyone who challenge, question, or oppose it. Finally, there are four main uh, ingredients or working philosophies that keep Islam alive and growing. I would suggest these four ingredients are also present in the LDS faith today. They are first, the doctrine of taqiyya, second, the doctrine of abrogation, third, the doctrine of biblical corruption, and fourth, the doctrine of obedience. Let me briefly touch on these really quickly before we go to the phones. First, the doctrine of taqiyya is better understood as the doctrine, doctrine of cover-up in Islam. Taqiyya literally means in Arabic, disguise. It sanctions lying in order to advance the cause of Islam or to preserve its good name. Taqiyya is very effective in Islamic apologetics because rarely will a non-insider get the straight story from an insider. Islam expert Solomon admits that he used taqiyya frequently when he was a Muslim and involved in debating Christians, all in an order to protect the faith. Similarly, Mormons have long been accused of a practice called lying for the Lord. The tactic is to use white lies and subtle deceptions so as to protect the faith from scrutiny. If you want an ample living example of that today, sit down a couple of LDS missionaries and ask them some questions and you will see lying for the Lord in action. Second, the doctrine of abrogation, as we mentioned before, was the doctrine of convenience. When Muhammad stated one doctrine and then later on pronounced a contrary doctrine, the doctrine of abrogation stepped in and justified the inconsistency by saying that Allah is in charge and he can change his mind willy-nilly if he wants. 
This is accepted by adherents of Islam worldwide. Mormonism justifies its changing doctrines and inconsistencies with the convenience of modern revelation. To them, there's nothing inconsistent when the LDS prophet says one thing and 10 years later, another LDS prophet says another. In the end, it's all what Muslims call abrogation. The third one, the doctrine of biblical corruption is exactly as it sounds, and both Islam and Mormonism propagated as true. And finally, Islam and Mormonism both embrace a doctrine of strict legalistic obedience to other men to one extent or another. So there they are, the similarities between Islam and Mormonism. Both were religions started by men claiming to be visited by angels. Both have additional scripture which contradict the biblical good news. Both claim these scriptures came from heavenly place, uh, plates or tablets. Both claim a belief in a different Jesus. Both demand total allegiance in their faith. Both are highly legalistic, extending to even diet, dress, and finances. Both have a past and present history of extremism. Both claim the Bible has been corrupted. Both claim their additional book clarifies the Bible. Both have founders who have added their own names into the Bible narrative through retranslation. Both practice some form of the doctrine of takia, which in simple terms means lying for the cause. Both practice the doctrine of abrogation, which means it's permissible for one latter revelation to contradict it earlier one. Both treat defectors of the faith harshly. Both say that it's an insult to God to insult the founder and that's equal. Both state that their founder's contributions are essential to the salvation of man. Both desire to convert the world. Both desire to govern the world. Both use biblical terms which has an entirely different meaning from the Christian worldview. Both represent an all-encompassing faith which invades every aspect of a person's life and both are non-biblical non-Christian, deceptive religion, uh, religious world powers, which in the end are the product of men. Hey, let's open up the phones. 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. We want to hear your comments. It looks like the phone lines are full, but that's okay. Keep trying. If you get a message, uh, we uh, just keep trying. You'll get through. Right now, we're going to run a spot for our partners program. Come back and answer your calls. Hi, I'm Sean McCraney with Alathia Ministry, producer of Heart of the Matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries' long-term sustainability without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there, ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us, 1-888-868-4686. All prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. We're back. Thanks for staying with us. We're going to go to Lisa in Salt Lake City. First time caller on line two. Lisa, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, how are you? Good, Lisa. How you doing? Well, I'm hoping I can get this out right with uh, being an idiot. Okay. You know, I, I've been watching your show quite frequently, and I'm, I'm, I'm also a transplant, and I grew up with, I couldn't have friends that were Mormon. Their parents would not let them play with me. Wow. And I thought, that is just enough. 
But um, what I'm calling for is I, I'm having a problem that I know the Mormons think they're Christian. But there's so many other Christians out here that don't think like they do and don't play the games that they play and don't lie like they do. And I'm having a really hard time understanding why, when they get called on any of their actions, they're so quick to blame another religion. They'll blame the Catholics, they'll blame the Christians, they'll blame the Baptists, they'll blame anybody but themselves, and they won't take up for the, the lies they tell and the things that they do. And, and they're conv- to me, it's a brainwashing scheme. And I'm glad that you have um, gone through the church and you understand and you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I, I am having just such a hard time understanding why they can't take blame for their own actions. What yeah. are, why can't they just be truthful? Well, you know, Lisa, um, <clears throat> I, I, I was speaking at this uh, uh, Good Shepherd last week, and that subject came up. And it's funny. Sometimes dealing with Latter-day Saints is much easier when you're a member of that church because everybody wants to put on the best face. And so everyone is putting on this best face, and so nobody, nobody wants to admit themselves a sinner or a liar or a cheat or something. And, and in the Christian community, it's sometimes more difficult to make friends because they're willing to admit that, they, that they've done things wrong. They just, blah, I've done this, I'm this, I'm that, I've done this. And there's no, there's no facade at all. So the reason I believe that they put up this facade is because their salvation is dependent upon it. If they aren't holy, if they aren't honest in all their dealings, if they don't do everything that they are claimed to do, they are in danger doctrinally of not going to live with God. So they have to, in their mind, put forth this, we are really, really good people. And forgetting that while they might be better than the average Joe in their outward lives, they are just as sinful in their heart with one of the worst sins, which is pride. So that's how I see it. Well, and the thing is, you know, I, I, I'm very um, perplexed by the fact that they, they focus so much on Joseph Smith that in my, my eyes, that's worshiping another deity. And um, as far as I know, that's wrong in, yeah. in the big book. And, yeah. and they may not be worshiping, but they sure put a lot more emphasis on him than they do our Father God. Amen. And, hey. and I just don't see how that, that's just not right. And they claim there's no hell. Well, how can there be a Lucifer without hell? Yeah, it's just I mean, outer darkness. They're just so contradictory. Yeah. You're and, right, Lisa. Great call. I really appreciate it. Hey, and thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going Bye-bye. to Derek on line one. Derek from Orem. You're on Heart of the Matter. Well, howdy, partner. Howdy, partner. How are you doing? Good. What's happening? Hey, first I just wanted to say it was good to see and hear you um, at the Good Grace, I mean Good Shepherd Church on Friday. Thanks, Derek. Um. My question was, in the points that you were making earlier, you talked about um, the, the verifications of the Koran and the Book of Mormon and yeah. how there's really not anything there um, archaeologically or textually. When you get to that point in your conversation, whether it's with the missionaries or with your friends and neighbors, and you make that point and compare that to the amounts of evidence there is for the Bible, how do you uh, respond when they say, well, God wants us to just believe in faith. Well, I respond by saying that God does not want us to believe in a vacuum. Romans tells us that nature itself uh, uh, reveals God. 
Um, Isaiah tells us that the stars in the cosmos reveal God. God speaks to us constantly, and he doesn't want us to just walk around and believe. I mean, I mean, with that thinking, you would then God would probably do all kinds of things to make it look like he doesn't exist then to test us, don't you think? I mean, he would do all kinds of things to make it look like we really did come from apes in the ground and there is no God, so that when we do discover him, we will really have faith. It makes no sense. God believes in, in substantiating our faith. He doesn't believe in, in, in causing us to believe in a vacuum. That's why he gives us a town called Jerusalem that's still there in a book that's right. historically based, not just based on fanciful writings of an imaginative man. That's how right. I would answer it. I agree. I agree. I think, I think a lot of times um, a way to answer that would, would be the same way that you did, but also to say that those times when God requires us to, to have faith and walk by faith and not see are a lot of times the things that, that God is asking us to do, not necessarily know. I see. That's a good point, Derek. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, thanks my brother. brother. I love what you're doing. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Several uh, months ago, maybe even a year ago, uh, quickly, we received an email from a woman named Sherry Grover who wrote us and said she's going back to the LDS church. And it was a really disappointing email. And I wrote her back and I just said, just keep your eyes open, Sherry. You know, and she said, we're going back because we just haven't been able to feel comfortable with where we are. And I th said, fine. Well, she wrote me an email on November 5th and said, well, Sean, you were right. My husband and I went back to the LDS church and confessed that we went to a Christian church and were baptized. We told the bishop we would like to try again. And he said, okay, three months of tithing and you're back in the temple. Three months later, he called us in and opens the bishop manual and said that if we do not remove our names from our uh, church, we would be excommunicated, nor were we able to associate with any other churches at all. So we went to Sacrament, and as I sat there, I saw a blackness and told my husband we needed to leave. We never went back. God would never ask me to disassociate myself from my family and other churches unless they were a cult. So no worries back with God uh, no worries. Back with God. Ask for forgiveness. Blessings after blessings. Keep up the good work. God bless. So I rejoice in that, Sherry. We all rejoice in that. Uh, you know, if you, if you have seriously embraced the Lord and you've, you've, you've tested the Bible and you've read it and you've gone to church and you've worshiped the Lord and all that, and you want to go back and you were LDS and go back and sit, go back and sit there. I've never been, you cannot be fearful of examining truth. Go back and sit there. And I would say probably in five, seven, 15, 35 minutes, you'll be going, help me. This place is dead. So, you know, have at it. Go back and test it. But make sure you keep your eyes open and you read the word open-mindedly. Okay, we're going to Nathan, Salt Lake City, first time caller. Nathan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, I got um, some questions really quick. Yeah. Number one, how many wives did Joseph Smith have? What was his youngest wife? Third, this thing about um, um, where you can't go play with uh, Mormon kids. What do? What happens? This is what really confuses me. What happens when the Mormon, the little Mormon kids, grow up and they have to join the work force and have to work with non-denomination people? I Great mean, are they questions. Players or not? Okay, and let me answer them really quickly, Nathan. Number of wives, the, we don't know. Uh, LDS scholar, great writer, Todd Compton, thinks 33 at least, maybe 36. Some have said 39. D. Michael Quinn says 40. Unsure. Okay. Second thing, youngest, 14, maybe 13. They aren't sure. Uh, and that would be uh, Fanny Alger, first polygamous wife Joseph took in 1833, secretly, who I believe right. 
Joseph's wife saw him actually in a barn um, engaged with and caused Fanny to be kicked out of the house. That was, uh, and that was when Joseph would have been about uh, late 20s or early 30s. Um, and then the other question, what happens is by the time you have been raised to stay away from everybody as a kid, you go on the mission, you're with a companion, zone conferences, the whole doctrination goes on there. You come home, you get married in the temple, now you got a bride, and then you start going into the workplace you're so indoctrinated that you carry an air of superiority. I mean, you're on the road to right. godhood while you're working with a bunch of people that need to know him. So, it, well, what, by, what another thing that really confused me is I was talking to some missionaries a couple times, and I asked them about Mohammed, and they're saying now that maybe Mohammed was a prophet. Maybe he is. And I'm thinking, now we're going to follow, now you guys, the Mormons are going to claim that. They're also yeah. Muslim, too, and Christian. What next? They're, they're devil worshippers next? They're going to claim Satan as their brother and all this stuff? You, I mean, you, it's just confusing. You, you know, Nathan, I think, and this goes right in hand in hand with that, I personally believe that Mormonism will become one of the greatest humanist movements on earth at some point in time. They will honestly, embrace everything at some time. I honestly think that it's the, the Antichrist set up like, to get as many people as they can for the Antichrist. I Never know, man. Know it. Great call, Nathan. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Terry, who's a girl in Cedar City and a first-time caller. Terry, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, I'm here. Hi, Terry. Sean, I love your show. My husband and I watch it down in Cedar City. I do have a question about the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Yeah. Um, did that happen on September 11th, many yes. years ago? Yes, it did. Kind of interesting that we had a, um, you know, our, our country was attacked by... Muslims on 9-11, and we had the Mountain Meadows Massacre happen on 9-11. Hey, another, another uh, connection between <laughs> Muslim and Mormons. I so appreciate you confirming that with me. I'm learning all about Mormonism. We, my husband and I moved out here over nine years ago. He's a pastor of a church down here in Cedar City, Calvary wow. Chapel. And we love the show. My, my uh, LDS friend turned born-again Christian, um, Shalene, taught me, has taught me so much, and I'm learning... A bunch of stuff from you. I love, love your show. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, what church is it that your husband pastors? He's a pastor at Calvary Chapel in Cedar City, Utah. Woohoo! Yeah, it's great. We love it. We, we're like, man, we got to get him to come down here. So Hey, just, let me know. We we'll make the trip. We oh, I would love it. We will contact you for sure. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you, Terry. God bless. God bye -bye. bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Michael in Ogden on line four. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, sure. And, um, I got a, a couple of things I wanted to say. Um, <clears throat> well, I disagree with you about the, the the LDS church continuing to grow, 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 grow. Uh, I just have to say I've been doing a lot of research <coughs> on the internet and the conversion versus the people that are that are um, leaving. Yeah, leaving. And also, it's uh, it, it's really more people are being converted, and they're really wanting freebies. I mean, I had an ODS friend tell me this. They're just wanting freebies, you know, that the ODS church will help them out with. You know, You're talking about you know, mostly in third world countries? Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and and then the other thing, I would say that Islam is a little closer, maybe. Um, I'm, now, um, Muhammad was very, very confused about the Trinity. He thought the Trinity actually was... God the Father, Jesus, 
and, or just God, the only God in, in Islam, and Jesus and Mary. He thought that was Trinity. He was very confused, just from his caravan routes. But um, I would say Islam, you know, they are monotheistic, and, and uh, we can't even say that about the Mormons. Uh, well, I know there's differences. I'm, I know there's differences, Michael. But oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just saying the Mormons can't even say they're monotheistic, though. No, they can't. But at least Islam can't say that. They don't believe in the Trinity, but uh, Islam, but uh, hey. at least they're... Hey, Michael. Yeah. We got a great that's a great call. I appreciate the points. We've got an LDS caller waiting online. We got to keep those guys in. Well, I'm the, I want to say one more thing and uh, uh, give me 10 seconds. Okay. I just lost an LDS friend um uh, what I mean he he's no longer my friend because he said show me one place that says that Christ is no longer I know, I see your fingers. Christ is no longer uh at the right hand of the Father. And I said Acts 3:21. So you're never going to be a good, you're not going to be a God. Christ has been there 2,000 years. That's 10. Good Bye. one, my friend. Thank you so much. You okay? I guess he's okay. All right, we're going to Joe and Orem. Uh, first time caller. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Joe? Joe? Joe. Hey, listen. From the idiocy of liberal humanists, got an email from uh, Lynn J, and she says, I appreciate those who quote the Bible to stave off same-sex marriage, such as Leviticus 18.22. I would like to, but she says, uh, I, I need advice on how to follow some other things in the Bible. She says, I would like to, which is, I would like to sell my daughter into slavery, which is sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. What would be a fair price? Um, I just want to, I'm going to use all three, four of her criticisms and to show her how ridiculous she is by reading it and think she can understand it just by reading those things. First of all, it was with the intention of marriage and it was a time, it was allowed if a family was absolutely destitute and the daughter was going to be married that they could sell her and get some money for that. But it wasn't like, honey, we're selling you is you're going to marry, then we will take a price for that. And it was like an early dowry, okay? That's the setting for uh, Exodus 21.7. Her next one is, my neighbor insists I'm working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly states that he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself? Well, Lynn, um, your sarcasm is based again on ignorance of the law. The death uh, of somebody who broke these laws was not done by one person, the way humanists, liberal humanists would operate. It was done by the community of people, including the prophet Moses, who would gather together if God so told them and they would stone them to death for infractions. The reason God did this is because when they brought in idolatrous practices into the children of Israel, it threatened his people. And so he had these strict laws. So that's how it worked. Similar to when someone does a strict law here and does something, we put them to death. Now you might say Sabbath day is, 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 is equivalent to murder. Yes, it is. They're all equivalent in God's eyes. Next one, we've got callers, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll pick up the next two next week just to keep you waiting. Uh, let's see, Joe is back. Uh, no, we're going to Allie, who's LDS. Allie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Allie? Hi, I'm, um, I'm just calling. I've been raised very, very LDS, uh -huh. and now finally starting to um, find my own opinion. Uh -huh. What do you guys think about um, women in the church and how they don't get the priesthood and, you know, kind of, 
that's one of my biggest issues is I think that women are treated um, unfairly. Yeah. Well, I got, I got to really shoot straightly with you here. Uh, you'll find some Christian denominations who have a similar misogynistic uh, approach to women. And so if you leave Mormonism because of the women issue, you could stumble into some other denominations that would make you just as angry. Um, nevertheless, Mormonism has a, uh, a magnificent history of making women uh, like cattle. And so you have every right to be angry at their historical precedent on how they've treated women. Um, uh, so that's all I can say on that. Um, I don't agree uh, with how they're treated and what their position will be in the eternities, which is to bear children forever. Um, I, I don't agree with much of the culture where women couldn't pray in sacrament meeting until 1977, I think, or 79. There's a lot of things about women that have they become much more uh, advanced in now, but their history doesn't support a consistent view of women as being equal with men. Yeah. Any other things you're looking at, Allie? Just that and the polygamy thing. That's, those are my main issues. Go to www.utlm.org. Okay. Check that out, Allie. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. We're going to Joe. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Joe. Yeah, hi. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, hey, I'd like to uh, ask you a question. It's sort of a follow-the-money question. Okay. You come into the church and you give your tithing. Then you go to the temple and you commit everything you have. I'd like to follow the money a little bit. Where does it go? And is there any way that faithful church members can trace what the church is doing with all their money. No. No. Uh, for some reason, and I really don't know the answer clearly on this, Joe, but I'll try to find out for next week. For some reason, the LDS church does not reveal how they handle their money. And I thought if you're a 501c3 tax-exempt corporation, you had to. But for some reason, they don't, and I'm really not sure why. So if you'll allow, give me some time and, and, I'll, and I'll make some calls to church headquarters and find out how they do that. Okay, I'll uh, tune in next week. Thanks for the inspiration, my friend. All right, bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Randy in Salt Lake City. Actually, we're going to go to Scott in Kenosh, just because I've never heard of such a place. Kenosh, Scott, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean. Scott. Hey question for you. Yeah. I live uh, right in the middle of Utah, right in the middle of Mormon Mecca. Well, you're up in Salt Lake, that's Mormon Mecca. Question for you. Yeah. Joseph Smith's association with the Native Americans through his youth growing up, yeah. is there any documentation pertaining to that? You know, I've heard some things, uh, speculation, but I don't really know off the top of my head anything that's confirmed. Um, I know utlm.org would probably have some information. If you can't find it on there, make a call to uh, uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministry, talk to Sandra Tanner, and she'll probably be able to tell you right off the top of her head exactly uh, if he had, uh, if there's any documentation that would verify that. Okay, I have found similarities to the Native American uh, ceremonies that huh. pertain to the Book of Ether. Huh. Uh, and the reason I say this is his wild, drummed-up dream of the submarines 
uh, similar oh. to the sweat lodge ceremony. Wow. And uh, that's why I'm looking for any documentation of his association hey. with any Native American ceremonies where he might have learned and drummed up the uh, submarine. Hey, Scott, submarine. it'd be a great find. Maybe you've discovered something other people haven't seen. I've never heard of there being a comparison between those two, but if you've got something, I'd love to see it. Okay. Yeah, email me. I go will, to uh, go uh, ahead and email you with my finding on this. Okay. But I do need to find out where he come up with this information. That'd be great. Uh, that'd be great to know, Scott. Let me know what you find out. Hey, Sean, great show. Great Thanks, show. my friend. Keep it up. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Randy in Salt Lake City. First-time caller. Randy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, yeah, Sean, I was curious. Um, earlier you were mentioning... Uh, about uh, the LDS Church and about Islam and how they use uh, a certain amount of deceit, as it were, to protect the core of their faith. Right. And about how also part of their, their, their mission, as it were, as they, um, as you said with Islam, revert people back, or like with the LDS Church, back to this original spiritual knowledge that we're supposed to have. Right. Um, and that basically part of it is that they're trying to convert the world, in essence, and eventually rule it the way you put it, I believe it was. Right. Um, it kind of gave me uh, like a little bit of an alarm, and it, it made me want to ask, uh, because of that, is it possible that either the Antichrist or, or the false prophet in, in Revelation, is it possible that they could come from the LDS Church or from Islam? I think, in, well, from my knowledge of that, biblically, I could be speaking out of turn because I don't know what the the heritage or genealogy is of that uh, from Revelation. But if 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 I'm not missing something, I would say yes. I would say absolutely, especially as Mormonism and Islam become more united. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, that really does make sense to me. I mean, the, the way you mentioned, I mean, I, I personally believe, as my father, God rest his soul, he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, that the Bible is, is 100% absolute. It is a truth that, that and, and, and it has a core to it that, that has withstood the test of time for, with the New Testament, 2,000 years, and before that, uh, when you go back to the Torah, the Old Testament, uh, in essence, uh, you know, it, it, it withstood thousands of years beforehand. Yeah. Um, that, you know, why is it that so many people are willing to believe what I believe to be a falsehood that there's extra testaments that needed to be added or that there's extra things that need to be added. When, when it comes down to it, I mean, doesn't the Bible tell us how to live our lives at the Beatitudes? Doesn't it tell us how to, how to, pray, to, how to pray to God, how to, how to live the life that will get us into heaven after repentance and belief in Christ? Why is it that so much extra needs to be said? How come so many of us in this world that are searching for that core truth are so easily deceived. I mean, it doesn't make sense, especially if, I mean, like, like as you said, you know, the, the, with all these deceptions going on, how is it possible that so many people are not willing to, to just simply see the basic truth that the Bible is, well, the Bible is what the Bible is, you know? Well, Randy, Satan, uh, he got Adam to fall and the world fell into sin and Jesus said the people love their darkness more than light. And, they, and, he just, and we are warned by Paul of other Gospels. We're warned by lying, deceiving tongues. We're warned through and through in the New Testament of these deceptions and further proof that the Bible is inerrant and trustworthy because of what is going on around us. 
it is a strange question to wonder why God would allow such deceptions to run amok in these last days. And yet, I don't think God allows it. Though. I don't think it's so much that God allows it. I think it's that I think God wants us all to prove ourselves by accepting the truth from the Bible, accepting Christ, and 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 changing our lives as Christ outlined us for us to do in in the Bible. I don't yeah. think it's so much that, that, that there, I don't think there's any fault in God at all. No, I don't think it's, it's a fault. A, I don't think it's a fault. I think he loves freedom, and it's just that yeah. I think he has to allow it, you know, because yeah. it's here. So, uh, hey, listen, we're running out of time, Randy. Great call. Appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. We've got Sheila in Park City, first-time caller. I wonder if she can say something in 20 seconds. Let's try it. Sheila, can you say something in 20 seconds? Catholicism has um, some issues that line up with Islam and uh, with uh, the Mormons, the Pope's infallibility. Uh What human being is infallible? Birth control being wrong, so you propagate the faith, you propagate your Catholic people. Uh Women are secondary. Mary being a mediator. Uh The only way we can get out of any of this is the truth, the Word of God. I'm so grateful to have found him, to know him. And everything I look at, I line up with the Word of God, the living truth, the light of the world. Sheila. And, uh, that's it. Excellent. Great summary statement. Thank you. God bless. Bless you. Bye. Join us next week as we now end the year with an examination of racism in the Mormonism, how it started, where it went, and then where it is today. In the meantime, go to Jesus. Take to him your life. He will change it. God bless you. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. Going to break my rusty cage and run. I'm going to break. I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Gonna break my rusty cage